Hi, friend. Hey, how's it going? I'm tired. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Even though this is the end of January. <laughs> it's still the first month, so, you know, technically... It counts. I think it counts. I think we could still say Happy New Year. I think so. we can. Yeah. How, how have you been this break? You know, pretty good. I've been home because work has now switched. Well, hmm, they we're working from home right now on the DL because Omicron has spiked. So I stayed upstate after Christmas. So that's been nice. Oh, that's very nice. It was very nice. But I'm heading back to the city literally tomorrow. Mm. So my fun is almost over. <laughs> Boo. Yeah, how about how about you uh, over there? It's been a break. That's the only way I can describe it. <laughs> Nothing oh, fun. No. More foot news. Probably gonna have to have surgery again. Super duper fun. Love to Just see girly it. things. Just broken feet things. <laughs> what are you drinking? I am drinking a hard soda. Ooh, it's from it's from Bud Light. So it comes in a pack of four, and I think it's like it's supposed to be Sprite, Cherry Coke, and like orange soda and Coke, and just like regular Coke. Hmm. And Coke is like the only one that's tolerable, in my opinion. The other three are like not that great. So uh. a waste of money for me. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. Um. Well, that is what a taste test is for. So at least I you know now. I guess so. I guess so. I am not drinking. Shocker, shocker, shocker. I am hungover. So the idea of drinking right now makes me nauseous. Did a lot of drinking yesterday because that was the only thing I could do. We just got hit with a huge snowstorm. Huge. Yeah, so all I could do yesterday was drink. And now I am regretting my life choices. Don't we always? Don't we always. I actually drank a lot last night, too. But somehow I'm not hungover. So clearly I didn't drink enough. <laughs> That's what that tells you. Or I just have a very low tolerance now. Well, yeah. You have you didn't drink for like, what, two, three months? Yeah. yeah. You're so strong. <laughs> I know. I know. Especially what I was dealing with, I should have been drinking. I, I would have been drinking for sure. Yes, I have a very big announcement. Percy Jackson okay. was greenlit by Disney+. Plus. Oh, <laughs> My life is now forever changed. Now we just need to get Logan Learman to play Poseidon. Oh my gosh, please. <laughs> Could you imagine? How old is Logan Learman now? Like 32? 30? 30? No, I think he's 30. Maybe 31? He's not like, yeah, he's like early, early 30s. Yeah. He could do it for sure. He could he do for it. Sure could. He's got the graying hair that just like works for him. He could pull it off for sure. He's got the Patrick Dempsey gray where it's not like full gray, but it's like hot gray, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. But I am, I'm just so thrilled. I decided to start rereading Percy Jackson, the series. Last year in 2021, I was reading along with a podcast who is going through them all. And I was trying to keep up, like, chapter per chapter every week, but I'm impatient. So <laughs> that quickly just went out the window. Yeah. So 
now I'm on book two. Wow. They just finished book one, like, this week, I think. So, it's going to be a great year. I can't wait. This, this show is not <laughs> going to come out until, like, 2023, but the fact that it was greenlit this year makes it it's going to be a great year. Anyway, you ready for Anyways. this week's Oh, wait. We didn't, oh, my did God. we introduce ourselves? <laughs> no, we didn't, because we forget every time. I'm Francesca. I'm Alicia. And this is Bookaholics Anonymous. We actually, but we, we did it this time. Normally, we just completely forget. Yeah, we get to, like, the end of the episode, and then we're like, I don't think we introduced <laughs> ourselves. Oh, well, next time, and then next time it just doesn't nope. happen. So maybe that can be our goal for the year, is just to remember every single time. We're setting ourselves up for failure there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the first book this month, actually I have it behind me. The first book of this year is called Bunny by Mona Awad. I've definitely heard of this book before, and I think I might have even have it on my to-read list. The TBR. I bought this when we went to that independent bookstore. Oh, yes. In Queens. Yes. Yes. I love the cover. I love the bright color and the yellow spine, which is very rare. It really... Because it's like an inverse of the cover. It really speaks to our, like, minimalist souls. Yes. The only thing I would change about the cover is that they have a Margaret Atwood quote at the top. And I just feel like there's a lot of, of words on the cover. So I kind of would have moved this Margaret Atwood quote to the back. Because you have all of these quotes from distinguished newspapers. I feel like she would have been better at the top of the back. But that's just me. That's, that's just a, you know, a you, a you uh, nitpick. It's my opinion! <laughs> so this book was a mindfuck. I didn't do any research to explain the book to me. So we're going to go on this. Journey of Confusion together. It took a while for me to realize that none of it was a metaphor and it was all very literal. <laughs> and had this book been like a metaphor, I think it would have been way creep, like weirder and creepier or whatever. But we'll talk about that more at the end. So the first chapter, we're introduced to our main character, Samantha Heather Mackey. And I was going back and forth whether her last name was Mackie or McKee or whatever, but then it's Mackie. So she is a graduate student attending a department welcome back party for her prestigious college. She's there with her best friend Ava, who calls her Smacky, which I think is the funniest shit I've ever heard. And that's also how I figured out that her last name is Mackie. <laughs> Anthony Mackie, is that you? Oh my god, I would love to see him play the main character. <laughs> I've already typecasted most of these people. As um, per usual. A young... Oh, fuck, what's his name? Shit. Shit. It's gonna bother me now. The boyfriend from the Heathers. God damn it, I hate that you don't watch movies. Oh! Anyway, we'll figure that out later. Christian Slater! Oh! He came back to me. Christian Slater makes an appearance later in the book. Anyway, at this point, we're introduced to someone called the Lion. She describes him as someone who's very, like, manly and tattooed and has, like, a big beard, like, mane. And it seems to be, like, there's some tension there, but they don't actually say anything to each other, and we don't actually know his real name at this point. Got it. She also refers to someone as Psycho Jonah, which is what the bunnies call him, and she considers him her only equivalent peer in the program. 
She also makes note that the town around the university just seems a little off. Like, there's something weird about the town. Like, there's it's very violent, very dangerous. And the only other person that seems to notice it is Ava, which is weird. So while they're at this garden party, she observes a group of people she calls the bunnies. They're, like, aggressively affectionate towards one another as the author describes them, like, grabbing each other by the arms, almost like they're going to leave nail impressions. And the others are saying how much they missed each other and how much they hated living without the other. All very, like, gag gross. Mm-mm. No. Yeah. So it's the beginning of the new school year and they haven't seen each other all summer. And it's just, again, the only way to describe it is this, like, aggressive affection between them. And Sam just thinks that they're just, like, weird and strange and... mm. But something about them, like, intrigues her. While they're at this party, Ava overhears the bunnies saying this stuff to each other and how much they never want to part ways again. And that makes Ava just laugh so hard. Like, a deep-from-your-chest laugh that just gets everybody's attention. And all the bunnies look towards them. And Ava makes eye contact with them. And this is the first chapter where I already can tell I would be Ava. Because she's <laughs> she just has, like, a stare down with them. And it's like, she refuses to break eye contact. And she just has this I don't give a fuck energy. So now I'll just, like, quickly identify each of the bunnies by the nicknames that Samantha gives them. So, first there's the Duchess, who Samantha describes as having long, silvery, fairy witch hair. Then there's Cupcake, Creepy Doll and her tiger eyes. Then Vignette. Is it Vignette or Vignette? Like, when you write, like, something that's like a vignette, it's a vignette, right? That's what I would think. Okay, that's what I thought. With her lovely Victorian skull face... It's, like, how she got her name. So, those are the four bunnies that she calls them. Or bonobos, as Ava calls them. (laughs) So, after looking at Sam and Ava, they reform in their little circle, whisper to each other, and then the Duchess turns and waves at Sam with, like, a little smile all the way from the other side of the tent. And without thinking, Sam immediately waves back and says, like, hi. And Ava gives her a look like, what the fuck? are you doing the next day sam goes to check her mailbox and their university mailboxes are like in the academic buildings i guess which is a little weird but sure go off i guess i don't know does this take place in the u.s Mm -hmm. okay yeah that is weird i was like maybe it's like a different what it's like in the new england area okay yeah because i was like maybe if this is like a different country like okay whatever i don't know what they do over there but like i feel like every college i've ever gone to the mailboxes are in your dorm building yeah well check she's there to see if she's gotten her stipend check yet but there are just a bunch of flyers for shit she doesn't care about but at the top of it is an origami swan and when she opens it she sees it's an invitation to the smut salon okay did so did, did the like the like did a romance writer, like, come up with this name? Like, 
I need to know. There are a lot of questions I have, none of which were answered. So, <laughs> of course. So the bunnies and her are the only ones like in her cohort for the year. So every workshop is just her and the four other girls. Mm-hmm. So they had done this last year and she wasn't invited. Mm-hmm. So she feels like this is a joke that she's being invited and actually contemplates if this is a real in- invitation. But Jonah appears behind her and is checking his own mail and like making small talk. And he too is sort of like an outcast in their program. But he's also the best poet in their program. Mm-hmm. So he asks her if she's willing to share more of her poetry with him because the one last year she had written was like very dark and made everyone really uncomfortable and they all hated it. But he loved it. <laughs> and he just wants more from her. Not the trauma porn. <laughs> no. 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 And while they're talking, she's like, yeah, sure. And then she hears the elevator open and she knows immediately that it's the lion coming out of the elevator because of what time of day it is. For whatever reason, she knows. So this is when we find out that the lion is one of the professors and the two of them kind of maybe had a thing the year before. It's very much like they're uncomfortable with each other now because it was never, I guess, defined... So she has all this internal thoughts of, why am I bringing this up? Would he think I'm crazy? Like, mm -mm. no. Right, right. We also find out that he's Scottish and that he's just really hot. So I'm picturing, like, Sam Hewen in this role. Of course. Because he's Scottish and he's hot. Or James McAvoy. Oh, that's a good one. But he's not, like, buff. Which I feel like the line is, like, buff. You know? I need to know why... The author felt the need to give every single character a nickname. So ridiculous. Yeah, that's explained <laughs> a little bit. So she's I like... Just, uh, it's so high school to me. Like, I don't know. It just feels like I'm reading... Like, it feels like someone's fan fiction that they're trying to write imitating, like, another book. And so they're like, I'm going to give all my characters nicknames because, like, I always wanted a nickname. Like, I want to be quirky and cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know? No, this... Later on will be explained in terms of, like, her state of mind. Oh, okay. Because I'm just like, this would never happen in real life. Like, I've never met this many people with, like, such odd nicknames. Yeah. She's given them all. None of these people, these are not any of their real nicknames. These are nicknames she refers to them as in private with Ava, not their actual nicknames. And these people are in college, correct? Yeah, she's a graduate student in her last year of grad school. Are we in middle school? <laughs> like, this, like, flashes me back to being in, like, middle school. And you're like, okay, we're going to give, like, our crush, like, a secret, like, code name. <laughs> His code name is going to be Skittles. That is so <laughs> funny you say that because I literally did that with one of my friends. And we called him Ninth Period because we had Ninth Period with him. Yeah. So in all of our conversations, we'd be like, yeah, Ninth Period. And he would, like, be around and be like, what are you guys talking about? Because he was in that class with us. And we're like, nothing. You don't need to worry about it. He's like, but that's my class. Like, I need to know. And we're like, no, you don't. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You guys couldn't have picked a more, like, like conspicuous. Yeah, nope. Nope, nope. It was, um... <laughs> a choice. 
A choice, yeah. That's one way to put it. Middle school was very traumatizing for me. (laughs) But we're not going to talk about that. That's like the vibes that this like these nicknames are giving me. It's like you're talking with your friend about your crush, and you have to give them like you know a nickname, so then they a code name, so they can't figure out that you're talking about them. (laughs) That is that's the vibe, and they're in college, so it's a little concerning. Now we find out that Ava is not actually a student in the program. She's just one of Samantha's friends. She had previously been an art student, but felt like the program had been killing her creativity and her soul. So she dropped out and now works in the basement of the nature lab, shelving dead bugs. And I personally would rather cut off both my hands and my feet than touch dead bugs. So true, Basti. Go off. She's waiting outside to meet with Samantha after Samantha went inside to go check her mail Whatever. And we learned in the first chapter that there had been a great, like, horror. Horror. Horror writer. This is where my accent just, like, fucking kills me. Is because whenever I would do voice to text and I'd say horror, it would just come up as horror. So... I love it so much. I would have to go back and, like, specifically write it. So I wasn't, like, and this horror writer, like, no. (laughs) So this horror writer that had gone to the school, he went insane and died there. So there's just danger at every corner. And it's not a safe area. They keep reiterating that it's not a safe area. So I just feel like that is just going to play into the story later on. It kind of does, kind of not q and a is at the end any questions anything i didn't explain feel free to ask me at the end i feel like i should have like a note and pa- like paper and pen and be like <laughs> ask about this at the end yes, <laughs> yes because New i didn't format. put a lot of things together until the end ava and samantha go about doing their usual thing while samantha contemplates actually attending this party It isn't until, like, two hours before the party that Samantha finally tells Ava that she got this invitation. And they have, like, a non-fight fight about it, where Samantha is like, these women are my peers, I have to take classes with them, I don't want to be rude, but I don't want to go either, but I have to. Right. And Ava is the type of person that chooses not to do things she doesn't want to do, and is very, like, punk rock. So ultimately... Samantha decides to go, but keeps trying to, like, reassure Ava that I'll be back. I'll only stay for an hour. And Ava's like, whatever. I couldn't give a fuck. Sam gets to Cupcake's house. Also, all the different bunnies have, like, real names. I will elaborate on those names when they become relevant and, like, necessary (laughs) to talk, like, use those real names just to avoid confusion. Right. So she's invited into Cupcake's house, and this is when we get a physical description, like a better description of each bunny, and their names really relate to, like, what they look like physically or a sense of their appearance and style, so I'm really not going to dig into it because each of their names, like, makes sense to what they look like or how they dress. Like, Cupcake is, like, very, like, sparkly and loves glitter and, like, wears Cupcake dresses. Like, you get the vibe. Right. This is where you start to get a feeling like this would be the movie Mean Girls if it was directed by Stephen King vibes. I was already kind of getting like the Mean Girl vibes for sure. Yeah. But the Stephen King part, that's going to be interesting. (laughs) Yeah. She's invited into their little circle. 
where she's offered a drink that they made just for her called the Samantha. And it's very bitter and unrelenting and it tastes and it's taste. And she, she likes pretending that she likes it. Is this she's, like a dig towards her? Like, oh, we made this drink for you, like specifically for you. It's really bitter. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into it. But like she it's very much seems like she is craving their approval and wants to be their friend, but also doesn't want to be like a conformist. Do you know what I mean? It's the passive aggressiveness for me. Yeah. So we learn that the smut salon is where they sit in a room with the lights basically turned off and just only cameras on. And they each take take turns reading a piece of, like, erotic literature, whether it's, like, a poem or a short story. And the coffee... uh, And on the coffee table are a bunch of books that have, like, erotic themes. And here we get a little bit more backstory into her relationship with the lion because his book is also on the table. Which was a book about a sociopathic Scottish man murdering women, which I feel like is a little bit concerning, but that's just me. Yeah, that's that's a red flag, girly. Red flag right there. That is a deep burgundy red flag. Like, yeah. It's almost a black flag. Exactly. Also, I am like imagining them like sitting around and reading a court of thorns and roses. <laughs> <laughs> and like what's the other one? Ice Planets Barbarians or whatever the yeah. fuck that one is. That's what I'm imagining they're reading right now. Yeah. Thank so you. we find out that she and the lion got really close the fall semester before, spending a lot of time together. But then by winter, everything kind of fizzled out and just got cold. And he stopped coming around, stopped spending time with her. And then she thinks that all the bunnies definitely saw her drunk in the passenger seat of his car at the end of the year party at the last spring. But she wants to make it known they never had any sexual relations. She... And she feels like they're almost waiting for her to tell them that. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. I was waiting for that. (laughs) As you should. And obviously, based on her name, the Duchess is like the leader of the little bunnies and writes all of her poetry on glass that she carves in. in. And I'm just like, could you be any more extra? She calls them proms because they're prose and poems. Could you, could you do any more? Could you be? <laughs> yes, I could. Yeah, so, really <laughs> so they all go in a circle, reading the passage or a poem, and then they get to Samantha, and they're like, "Okay, it's your turn." And she's like, "Bitch, what?" <laughs> they're uncomfortable with her offering to read from the many texts they've provided on the table. They want her to tell them like a real erotic story. So she tells them about the time that she died with Rob of Valencia. And how she died was, or dined? Died. D I E D. Okay. So she tells them about how she was in a school play when she was in high school, and she and Rob played king and queen, and they would die in the play together every night, like all the rehearsals, all the performances. Right. And she had all of these pent-up feelings about him. And obviously, as a storyteller, she exaggerates most of the story to, make, any... it, to make it more erotic to please right. them. Uh, right. As any good storyteller would. Right. When it gets to the end, she thinks about how the actual ending is the play ended. 
and he actually had lo- like was in love and had feelings for another girl in the play <gasps> and ended Scandal. up going to prom with her not Samantha which she was absolutely devastated by mood but instead she tells the bunny how after the last performance he took her out into the woods behind the school and they made love on the forest floor <clears throat> Stop, that's gross. And they're all like, oh my god, oh my god, that's so ironic. Oh my god, that's so hot. Oh my god. It was... <laughs> I can't. It was so weird. And But the Duchess is like, he broke your heart, didn't he? And Samantha's like, yes. So the Duchess is like, it's okay, girl. Let's get you another drink. <laughs> I, like, low-key, this girl's kind of iconic. Like, she really is just has them eating out of the palm of her hand. Yes. At that moment. Also, can you imagine, like, just, like, us and a couple of our friends just sitting around reading smut out loud? <laughs> Could you imagine? Could you, like, in I just imagine Kayla just red-faced the entire time. Exactly. Like, not making eye contact with anyone. Exactly. And meanwhile, <laughs> we are making dead eye contact with each other. And we're doing it. I, um, like ironically yeah yeah and like who's gonna blink first <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and kayla's kayla sitting there like guys can you stop <laughs> like i just can't imagine willingly putting yourself through this <laughs> we all know each other reads it but the fact that we would read it together like that is especially especially because like obviously i didn't go into detail in the book about like how like Right. What happens during each turn. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's just even more wild when you read it. Anyway, she wakes back. She wakes up back in her room the next morning with no recollection of how she got there. So, we get a description of the terrible living conditions she's in and just how poor of a room she lives in. And, okay, trigger warning. But I just thought this was really funny and I have to say it. But trigger warning. She says that... She says this, and it's, like, not meant to be funny, but it's funny. Mm-hmm. Because she says that the room she lives in doesn't quite pass her suicidal visualization test. Like, she could see herself killing herself in this room. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, like, that's not funny. So, while laying there, she visualizes seeing a bunny on her windowsill, and then all of a sudden, the memories of the night before just come rushing back. Of having a lot to drink, the room starting to spin from drinking so much, and then the Duchess asks her to go outside and get a bunny. Because there are just bunny rabbits all over, apparently. And at first, Samantha's like, no, it's really dangerous, like, why would I do that? And the other girls are like, there are bunnies all over campus, it's so easy This is just how we round off Smut Salon. It's funny because my speech-to-text translated that to Smart Salon. (laughs) So, Samantha continues to protest before Duchess is like, you know what? You're right, Samantha. We should just get you home. And then Samantha's like, no, I'll do it. (laughs) A desperate bitch. Yes, desperate for friends. But also, like, so true, if this is, like, New England, when I was in Boston, there were, like, literally the place I stayed at had, like, six bajillion bunnies, like, mm-hmm. in their backyard. And I was like, if this were my house, you'd all be you dead. All would, you all would be dead because <laughs> there are many an animal out here. She goes outside and 
like the bits and pieces of her memory are very blurry and she ends up catching one. And now at this point I was very confused whether she actually catch caught one. Mhm. But after reading reading a little bit further, can confirm she did catch one. I it's interesting. These bunnies just must be like so used to people coming up to them because I'm thinking about the bunnies here. You get within like 20 feet of them they're like and they just take off yeah you never actually saw one (laughs) exactly so she looks at her phone to see if ava texted her at all but she hasn't but she has two text messages from two unknown numbers saying how great of a time they had last night and to see they'll see her in class i'm just gonna skip that so she gets to class late and apologizes to the teacher and all of the bunnies are like very concerned but it all feels like very robotic And how they're, like, very worried, you know? That it seems, like, disingenuine. Mm Mm-hmm. The teacher starts to begin the workshop, like, the lecture part. And, obviously, Samantha's not listening. She's thinking about how stifling being at the university has been for her. And she definitely wrote more before going there. And thinks about how Ava's like, yeah, I told you that place is, like, toxic for creativity. Join the club. Yeah. Uh, they start workshop with Vignette's piece. And it's just very strange and hard to understand. Basically, it's just a punctu- punctuated vignettes about a woman named Z who pukes up soup while thinking nihilistic thoughts and then has anal sex in a trailer. <laughs> Okay, go off, I guess. (laughs) The teacher and the other bunnies praise Vignette's work and discuss it, dissect it, and do, like, the whole workshop thing. But, like, they never actually give her, like, real critiques. They're just like, you're amazing. Oh, my God, you're amazing. You know, that shit. Right. While Samantha doesn't disagree with any of it, she thinks it's a pretentious piece of shit and that it's hot garbage. Like, she doesn't actually agree with anything. But she finds herself saying that she wished she could see more soup. Just so she isn't, like, on the outside, so to speak. Mm. Right. So they get to Samantha's piece, and she's expecting them to say the same old thing, that it's angry and mean and distant and dark and not in a good way, and, like, not like it, because that's what they've always done. But Cupcake says her first read-through, basically, she said all of those things to herself. And she didn't understand it, and she was angry, And Samantha expects this. But what she doesn't expect is for Cupcake to turn around and say, but the second read-through, she really liked it. And it was compelling and sad in the best way. And and that it just makes them want more from it. Which is very surprising to her because they've never liked her work before. So now it's been a week. Samantha hasn't seen Ava anywhere, not at her house, not at the diner that they go to, nowhere. So she goes to this bench that she and Ava met at, that's in front of a pond, and ever since the smut salon, the bunnies all on campus have just been following her literally everywhere. Like, they will not leave her alone. Everywhere she goes, she has like five or six bunnies just following her. And at one point, she turns around and yells at them to like, leave her alone. And that is when Jonah... Catches her yelling at the bunnies. And he's like, uh, you good? Because that one is staring at you hardcore. And he asks her if she wants to get a drink. 
And she's still very nervous by these bunnies, like, staring at her. Oh, Lord. So she's like, sorry, maybe another time. And she crosses the street. A bunny hops behind her, following her, and get gets hit by a car. Oh, my gosh. That just keeps going. She also notices how the bunnies, the women, the bunnies, have become more attentive to her, almost acting like they have, like, a schoolgirl crush on her, like, making it awkward small talk, being really nice, complimenting her, asking, you know, basic questions, saying they had fun the other night and maybe they should do it again, like, that kind of, like, weird attention. Don't like that. No. So now we get a little insight into Samantha's past growing up. That she thinks her best writing years were when she would sit in the reception area of the hair salon her mom worked at when she was a child. And even back then, she was writing pretty horrific stuff. Damn. Given that her teacher said to her mom that your daughter submitted an essay for an essay writing contest, it's pretty disturbing, not to mention it's not even an essay. And her mom... It's like, oh, she just has a vivid imagination. And then she talks about how she was rich at one point when she was 13 after her mom died. She went to go live with her dad who worked in, like, real estate development, apparently. And they had a few good years where they were wealthy before it fell apart. It's been another week now and she still hasn't heard from Ava. So she texts her a bunch saying that she misses her, that she's sorry, And one morning, she wakes up after a dream she has where her hands are covered in blood and feathers. I don't like like where this is going. I don't like it. Oh, you're not. You're not going to like where this goes. Oh, no. Texts do come to her phone, and she thinks it's Ava, and she's super excited, but they're not from Ava. They're from Vignette, saying they're having a party tonight, and they invite Samantha to come. And that's when Samantha remembers that they have their tango lessons tonight because her and Ava love to dance the tango together. Um, So she's like, perfect, that's where I'll find Ava. I'll grovel and beg Ava to never, ever leave me again. So by class, Samantha thinks Ava didn't show up because she can't find her, but she ends up seeing her in, like, a group of other people. During the break, she goes and follows Ava out when she goes for her smoke break. And it's a little awkward at first. For Samantha, at least. Ava's acting like nothing ever fucking happened and she didn't drop off the map for two weeks. Right. Ava is like, I'm an adult. I don't care what you do. I'm my own person. Whatever. And Samantha just keeps apologizing like she shouldn't have ditched Ava. But Ava ignored her for two weeks, so that's kind of fucked up too. And Ava's like, listen, I don't care if you want to hang out with them and have parties with them. That's fine. Whatever. And Samantha basically starts crying because she feels bad and she just wants her friend back. Oh, my god! And gosh. Ava's like, it's all right, Smacky. It's <laughs> fine. But to prove to Ava she can be on her own, she doesn't need her. She runs off, doesn't even go back to class after the break. And she can hear Ava calling for her name as she runs, like, away. Mm-hmm. When she was walking off, her phone vibrates and she thinks it might be Ava telling her to come back. But it's not. It's Vignette. Asking if she's coming to the party tonight. Tea. So Sam gets to the party and the bunnies open the door and they're all dressed in like this prom gear. Very weird. They knew if they told her she wouldn't come. I don't like this. This is feeling very Carrie-esque to me and I'm not a fan. (laughs) So they offer to help her get ready. 
Francesca's and face for everyone uh, listening. It was like, hmm, don't owe you, just you wait. <laughs> so Cupcake and Vignette help her get ready while the other two are outside talking to these mysterious men in the living room. They talk about how sad it is that Samantha went to her high school prom with her best friend, which is fucking rude because I went to my high school prom with my best friend and guess what? We had a great fucking time. So that, y'all can bite me. That is, no, I back you up on that. That's fucking rude. I went also with like all my best friends. It was like a group of us. We got a limo. It was phenomenal. We had it a was great time. A great time. And guess what? I can still look at those pictures and be like, oh, that was such a nice night. Right? All y'all who went with like some crusty, dusty, musty old like guy. Man? Yeah. yeah, exactly. You probably can't even look at those pictures anymore because you're like, oof, that was a choice. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and that has been my TED Talk. Thank you. <laughs> So they talk about the story she told them during this month's salon about Rob Valencia and being in love with him and, like, dying with him every night and how he probably regrets never pursuing her and how meaningless his life is probably now that he's not with her. And she's like, yeah, I guess. Anyway. (laughs) Okay. So they enjoy the party and the bunnies are like, we have a surprise for you, but keep our friends company while you wait. And normally, you know, I don't mention names that aren't relevant to the plot or the story. Right. But these are too fucking wild to not share them. Mm -hmm. So these four random guys' names are Hugo, Beowulf, Blake, and Lars. (laughs) Okay. And they're all, they all just stand around Samantha, all kind of have this just like dumb, empty look on their face. And they're all wearing these, like, black leather gloves. And they just start bombarding her with questions like, tell us all about yourself, Samantha. Tell us everything, Samantha. We want to listen, Samantha. I don't like this. While this is happening... Weren't you the one who told me that when people say your name a lot, they're trying to manipulate you? Yes, because they are. Don't like that. Don't like it at all. Mm -hmm. Well... Anyway, while this is happening, she hears a thump on the ceiling and then a loud scream. And she's like, you guys, do you hear that? And they're like, hear what, Samantha? And the bunnies return (laughs) and they look kind of disheveled, but not like insane. Just like, because they're always perfect, it's noticeable when something's not perfect. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Right. So the doorbell rings and Duchess is like, why don't you answer the door, Samantha? It's your surprise. So she goes to the door and opens it. And standing there is Rob Valencia wearing the same black leather gloves as the other men. I don't like this. She's like, what the fuck are you doing here? (laughs) Which I would be like, this is really weird. I'm going to bounce. But she's just more (laughs) shocked and like not... Like, what? This is when I would text you and be like, SOS, call me, say you need something. (laughs) (laughs) Rob looked at the Duchess before she, like, prompts him and is like, well, you're here on business, aren't you? And Rob is like, yeah, I'm here on a business trip, Samantha. Very strange. She invites him in and they sit down and the two of them are talking and he's saying, like, I don't even think about 
what's her face and that I went to prom with. You're the only woman that I think about. And it's just like very strange for me, you know? Right. But Samantha's 17 year old heart is just like alive. And she's like, Oh my God, I cannot believe he's here. And this is the part where I text you about, this is the part where I texted you about how he found her tree like height erotic. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I've never heard those words in the same sentence before. In, used in that order. It's nice to hear, though. Yeah, it is. Anyway, he asks her to dance, and while they're dancing, she hears almost like this chewing sound and smell of burnt <gasps> sugar. It's getting really strong. So she looks around and sees the bunnies all dancing with the other men. They're all slow dancing, and she notices they're all chewing on something. One is chewing on a dress strap the guy the men um another one is chewing on a necklace the other one is chewing on something else i don't remember what it was but they're all like weirdly chewing on something and then rob leans down and starts chewing on the corsage he gave samantha and she's like what the fuck stop and he doesn't and she's like stop and slaps him really hard and all of a sudden all these flips switch and he's really angry and he starts yelling at her, saying things like, we invited you in to this. You wouldn't come. All you remember is Samantha Heather Mackie is the victim. She's in pain. Samantha Heather Mackie is on fire with the feelings she thinks only she can feel. And he like goes on and on like this while the four bunnies try to calm him down, leading him towards the door, but not the front door. The attic door. Are we about to kidnap a man? <laughs> and she's just like has her ears covered because he's screaming and it's just so loud. And he just keeps going about how she slept with her teacher for preferential treatment and there's no way she can be that tall. She's on stilts so she can look down on everyone. <laughs> <laughs> <Stop>. Cut the mic. <laughs> Cut the mic. <laughs> Who the fuck? forgotten that one no <laughs> crazy that was creative oh <laughs> uh, you know that's so funny because i used to do stilts like i used to be able to walk on stilts fun fact actually really, really sad fact but fun fact maybe someone should have made that joke maybe it would have actually been funny and not like weirdly mean because if they tried to come at me like oh you're on stilts i'd be like yeah i can do stilts exactly i can do that Ex- exactly <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck but at fuck this so point weird. that is when his head explodes. Like, <laughs> like actually explodes. Like, explodes. Like, blood, bone, brains everywhere explodes. And Samantha herself starts screaming. Valid. And she passes out when Rob Valencia's ear falls at her feet. No! 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 <laughs> Do you need a moment? Because I needed a moment after reading that. <laughs> I remember reading that part and I'm like, oh, Alicia's gonna have a field day with this. <laughs> this book is something else. I'm very intrigued about the ending. Just how this all shakes out here. I'm gonna give you the first names of all of the bunnies now that we're at this section of the book. Okay. 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 So Cupcake's real name is Caroline. Vignette's uh-huh. name is Kira. Creepy Doll is Victoria, and the Duchess is Eleanor. So those are all their new 
names going forward. Okay. So she wakes up in a bit of a daze, like very confused as to where she is and bits and pieces of the night before coming back. She's in Kira's room in her house and is like, I saw Rob Valencia's head explode. And Kira smacks the shit out of her, like, that's what you think you saw, but you were drunk. Here, take these pills to help with your hangover. We gotta get to class. What the fuck? (laughs) And Kira gives her some clothes to borrow that are very, like, bunny-esque clothes to Mm -hmm. wear. And then invites Samantha to lunch with the other girls. And is also started calling her bunny. Sort of weird trauma bonding? Uh. (laughs) (laughs) In the rideshare over, Samantha sees Ava on the sidewalk... And tries to get the car to pull over, but her voice is, like, coming out as, like, a whisper, so the driver doesn't hear her. And she sent, just sends Ava a quick SOS text, with this, which is basically just a question mark. This is horrifying. Uh-huh. This is, like, no joke. Like, when I was little, I had, like, a reoccurring nightmare that I'd get kidnapped, but I couldn't speak. I. So, literally, nightmare fuel. If I had a nickel for every time I almost got kidnapped, I'd have yeah, two, nickels, two nickels, which is... This is a lot. A lot. changed. That happened twice. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> we were actually just talking about that last night, about how, like, I was so susceptible to getting kidnapped. Like, <laughs> I was so gullible. I, I was almost kidnapped uh, off my front lawn because a guy had a dog. Yeah. You know what? Like, I don't have a lot of child trauma, but all the chi- childhood trauma I have is my mom traumatizing me about I'm going to get kidnapped, so... Yeah, Maybe she um, won that one. <laughs> she won. <laughs> I didn't get kidnapped. I was too scared. So so basically all the girls have to like reintroduce themselves because Samantha doesn't recognize any of them. She doesn't know who they are. And they're like, okay, we'll help you navigate this. And it all she just feels like she's in a fog and she's in like a daze. She's very confused. But they all praise her writing. Essentially at this point, I think she's being drugged and has no clue and no control over her own body. Yeah, doesn't she take dare? They tell you not to take dare to other people. (laughs) Oh my god, Officer Wendy, if you are out there, just know that you changed my life. Dare was a great program to teach to elementary school students. Great choice. See, I my school did middle school fifth through eighth, so I was in middle school and I did it. Yeah, no, I was in like fourth grade talking about how like you shouldn't do drugs. Say no to drugs. <laughs> I still have a dare shirt somewhere around Me here. Me too. I have mine upstairs. I still wear it. Yeah, it's, it's big it's and fun. nice and baggy. It's funny. At lunch, Eleanor basically propositions Samantha. She tells Samantha she thinks that Samantha's immensely talented and that this writing block is really stifling her and her creativity, and that. The four of them, and now Samantha, so five, are working on something new and exciting and different and want to invite Samantha to join them. Essentially saying, this is a way for Samantha to take back the narrative, to have the control over her writing and her life, and that this is a way that they're doing it and they want her to join. Or, as Victoria says, it's basically like to fuck or to be fucked. All right. (laughs) the four of them go back and forth about whether they think samantha is ready to be involved when samantha looks at her phone to see if ava texts her and she hasn't so samantha is like okay show me they take her back to kira's house and up to the attic they make her put this mask on that's like a bunny face 
and tell her to sit in the corner and use the bucket if she needs it. And while sitting there, she observes all through this, like, pretty heavy drug haze. So everything is kind of distorted. And there was a lot of fluff in here where, because she was on drugs, like, it was just, like, very tangent-like. Which is understandable, again, because she is on drugs. But I'm just gonna shorten it, get to the meat of what's happening. Mm -hmm. So basically, all four bunnies gather in the attic. One prepares an altar. Another handles this red velvet box. Another one is sharpening an axe. And Caroline is kind of just, like, comforting Samantha. She's like, you're going to be fine. It's fine. Just shh, sit here and shh. While Samantha sits in the corner before the bunnies gather around this altar and lift the top of this velvet box to reveal an actual animal bunny inside. So they're also playing, like, audio visuals everywhere. Mm-hmm. They're playing a movie, they have music, and they begin to chant over this bunny, all of them themselves wearing bunny masks and aprons. And then all of a sudden, the bunny explodes. <laughs> Samantha screams because obviously a bunny just fucking exploded. Yeah. And then comes a knock on the attic door. Caroline answers the door and walks a man in a suit to whom Caroline refers to as Odysseus saying his first language is French. He's well-versed in a specific writer that I forgot his name of, but I don't really give a fuck. And Samantha can see, like, the detail of, like, a hair lip, like a bunny lip, Mm -hmm. you would say. Like a hair lip as in H-A-R-E. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So there are features about him that are very rabbit-like, you could Mm -hmm. say. Uh Uh-huh. But when Odysseus goes to speak, he just screams. So Victoria's like, fine, I'll deal with it, and takes the axe and leads Odysseus into the bathroom, where she promptly comes out and says, I fucked up. And Odysseus comes running out of the bathroom with an axe in his shoulder, screaming, before Kira pulls out another axe that they have up there and finishes the job. The four of them huddle up, and and Eleanor says, the first draft is never the best draft, or whatever, basically referring to this bunny man as a draft. Or a hybrid. She also refers to them as a hybrid, which is something that I'm going to refer to them as for the rest of of the book. Mm -hmm. This whole book has been told from first-person narrative until now. Uh So now that she's kind of diluted in drugs, (laughs) just Uh been like (laughs) nothing but a drug state, she Uh starts to refer to herself in the royal we. Uh And the collective of all the other girls are known as Bunny, so you never really know which one she's talking about when she talks Mm -hmm. about a bunny, which Mm -hmm. was just confusing as fuck. And I don't know why they didn't just call, like, Bunny Eleanor or Bunny Count. Like, that would have just made it a lot easier to understand. Right. We're getting more insight into how the group works and how they take care of these things when they make these bunny hybrid things. So, for the art of workshop, I know it's them trying to take control of the narrative of their writing again, like, because they're so, they're so invested in, like, man is always the center of our writing and man is always in control, but we want to take back that control kind of thing. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Mm -hmm. So, like, this is their way of taking it back. I'm still having a very hard time with that. I still don't understand. I'm still not even sure if that's (laughs) why they're doing this. So, one day, they get a particularly harsh critique from their teacher, and the teacher says that they need to be more gritty and less clean about their writing. So, all of the girls go to the restaurant that only serves food in miniature, 
which for the record, if you ever took me to a restaurant that only served food in miniature, I'd punch you in the throat. I love you. I love you. <laughs> but I would punch you in the throat and I would be justified. You would be valid for that, honestly. And if I ever did that to you, you can feel free to stomp on my feet. Right. Because I, mean, I have I nerve th- damage, so that would hurt even more. Right. But I think that's, like, the only thing that maybe, like, maybe, you know, if we didn't know that beforehand, like, we should both yeah. just agree to be like, fuck this, we're We can out. leave. Yeah. Right. Why is my hamburger the size of a, a dime? <laughs> no, no. Check, please. And that'll be $600. Yeah, right. <laughs> So, they're all sitting around trying to figure out what the next hybrid should be and where they should draw inspiration from. So, anyway, after they finish up this restaurant, they decide they want to go to Pinkberry, so they hold hands while they walk through the most dangerous part of town. Oh, awesome. And listen, I'm all for understanding the mental state of mind of the main character and really being put in their position, but oh my god. The (laughs) tangents that she goes on about how much they love each other and how much they're all best friends and how much they just want to hug each other all the time. This could take like 20 pages out of the book. Realistically. Just give me the juice. Give me the meat. That's all I want. Anyway, as she's walking, holding hands through this dangerous part of town, someone grabs Samantha's arm and drags her into an alley and covers her face and tells her to shut the fuck up. She can hear the other bunnies yelling for her, <clears throat> looking for her, but she can't call back because her mouth is covered. And then the other bunnies are like, okay, well, she'll find us if she wants and eventually leave. And Samantha suddenly feels very lost, like, as a person because she's not with them. But the person that grabbed her was Ava. Right. And Samantha doesn't even recognize her. To which Ava's like... What the fuck? You dropped off the face of the earth for like two months. Where have you been? So it's what been kind of two drugs months. Are they giving her right? I need to know. I want to try it. I'm just <laughs> kidding. I don't. I don't do drugs. I barely take the drugs I'm prescribed. Samantha is like, I don't know what you're talking about. And Ava's like, you joined a fucking cult. Is what happened. And Ava says the night that Samantha ran away from her after the tango class, Ava tried to follow her but ultimately lost her and went back to Samantha's apartment, but she never came back. And that was two months ago. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Ava ultimately leads her away. Like ultimately Ava starts to walk away and Samantha willingly follows. They go to the old diner and order food. And this is when I really noticed that her brain is like fucked up because she describes like eggs on toast and coffee as blobs of yellow pus on brown pits and a chipped mug full of black bile, the um, pony inside of me weeps softly. Gross. Words. Words. <laughs> <laughs> we find out that Ava's been, like, searching for her hardcore and hasn't been able to find her till now. And Samantha, all she can think about are, like, the hybrids. After Ava says she's been wrapped up in whatever this is, a.k.a. a cult. And she thinks about the time that She spent with these hybrid bunny people men and how it can all go wrong with just very small certain details. So, for example, some of them will always, they'll always say to her, like, tell me more. I want to listen. Tell me everything. 
And she tells one of them that they should do drugs and go fuck like bunny rabbits in the patch of woods behind the house. And Mm -hmm. the hybrid starts crying. (laughs) Oh, no. Another one says, tell me everything. And she responds, no, you tell me something for once. And his head exploded, which I feel like is like a normal male reaction when asked (laughs) to convey their feelings. Right? Uh, and then another instance, she's tried to look under the black gloves that they're always wearing. They all, whenever they make a bunny man, he's always wearing black gloves. Mm-hmm. So she tries to look under it and the hybrid bites her shoulder and then her hand. Oh, no. And they have to put him down, so to speak. This is so weird. But Ava snaps her out of the memory by telling Samantha that she's leaving town, that she doesn't want to stay. And this upsets Samantha. She wants... Ava to stay, but can't vocalize it because she's so embedded in this fucking cult. At this point, the bunnies have found them, and they're so worried that she's been away from them for so long. At this point, she's still been referring to them by just bunny, so you don't know who she had been talking about. But because she had been with Ava and away from them for so long, she's able to distinguish between the two of them now, so you know that Kira and Caroline are the ones that come into the actual diner, Mm -hmm. and that Victoria and Eleanor are in the car. Mm Mm-hmm. So they just come in, they're so upset, they're so worried, and Ava makes up a story saying some random wolf boy hybrid tried to grab Samantha, but Ava stepped in, and whatever. The point is, Ava makes up this story, and it's believable to the bunnies. They're like, how come you've never introduced us to your friend? And Ava gets up and goes, it's because I bite. It's a chronic illness. And I was just like, yep, I identified myself in the book now. (laughs) Because I would never get sucked into a cult. Like, okay, this is weird. I'm out. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna... I'm gonna leave? <laughs> Exit. Door. To the right. But when Ava walks out of the diner before Samantha can get up and follow her out, the other buddies sit down next to her and start peppering her with questions. When she looks out the window, she sees Ava talking to Eleanor, who's sitting in her car... Ava looks over her shoulder, and they make eye contact before Ava walks away. Samantha deadass climbs over Caroline to race after Ava, but by the time she makes it to the parking lot, Ava's gone. She asks Eleanor what she said to Ava, and Samantha's, like, starting to come back to her senses. Mm-hmm. And she can tell that the smile that Eleanor is giving her is very fake and very much like, I hate Samantha, but she's, like, which is how she read it before she joined the bunnies. Right. So Eleanor's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, hey, isn't that your friend Jonah? And calls Jonah over and he can't read a room. So he doesn't understand that it's very awkward and tension filled between Samantha and Eleanor. Mm -hmm. But Eleanor leaves the two of them to talk and drives off with the other bunnies. It starts to rain and Jonah offers to drive Samantha wherever she wants to go because she's like, I got to get out of here. I got to go find Ava. Right. They drive around aimlessly for a while without actually finding Ava. And listen, I would protect Jonah with my life. He is a sweetheart. The only redeemable character in this book. So he asks her to have coffee with him again, but she declines saying she needs to head home. But she gets a text from Eleanor saying that they think they think they should have a talk. So Samantha asks Jonah to drive her over to their house instead. So she gets to Eleanor's, and the door is answered by one of the hybrids that they've kept around before they get bored of them. And some of the ways they get rid of them is, obviously, they chop their heads off. Sometimes they'll just take them out into the 
like fields and just leave them there to starve and die. Sometimes they make their way back into town and get jobs, oh. as Victoria has told her. Interesting. Samantha keeps telling herself, don't get sucked into it again, but obviously that doesn't work. Especially after Eleanor invites Samantha to run that night's workshop, aka it's Samantha's turn to make a hybrid. Oh boy. So they even say, we asked for at the magic shop, what's a good incense to burn if you're more of a bitch? Like, if you're a bitch in the best way imaginable, or if you're just a bitch. And he didn't even have to think about it. He was just like, oh, here. And I'm like, I want to know what this incense is (laughs) for when I make a bunny explode. Side note, I would never actually make a bunny explode. But you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel (laughs) I want to know what this incense is. So... They all gather around in Eleanor's living room to prepare for that night's ritual. And standing there over this bunny, nothing happens. Much to Samantha's chagrin, she feels like she's being set up to fail and that this is a punishment. She doesn't understand why this is happening. That it's just to prove a point that she's nothing without them or nothing like them. And she keeps trying, but nothing happens to a point the bunny that was in the circle just, like, hops away because <laughs> it hasn't exploded and just hops right out the front door. And Kira's like, this is pointless. I'm out. See you later. But as she goes to leave, she calls everybody to the front door. And out on Eleanor's front lawn are bunny-ish prints. Like, they're bigger than bunny prints that wrap around a tree and then head off in the direction of a bus stop. Mm-hmm. So the five girls follow the prints. And find a man standing at the bus shelter that they believe is the hybrid Samantha created. Mm-hmm. They ask him if they've seen a, a bunny hop by, and he describes, like, a really vicious and gruesome killing of a bunny that he just witnessed. <laughs> so, ultimately, they don't think this guy was the hybrid Samantha made, and she just feels super disappointed and upset with herself. It's the last workshop, class workshop of the semester before they go home. And the atmosphere is very much the same as it was at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. And they're no longer sitting together. It's very her versus them situation where the teacher loves them. But she just doesn't get Samantha. Like, she just doesn't get it. Like, that Samantha is, like, different. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. Like, all the bunnies buy the teacher a plant. But don't include Samantha, who's literally the only other person in the class, which I just think is a dick move, but (laughs) okay. And then Kira recommends they all do a writing exercise about what home really means to all of them. Basically, like, write about being rich and try to make it ironic, but they can't do that. You can tell these are just, like, the type of people to not understand that they're rich, like, They know they're rich, and they have no life experience, so they think they're better than everyone else kind of rich. You know what I mean? Uh Uh-huh. So, regardless, Samantha refuses to share what she's written, because she doesn't want to give them any more ammunition against her, so she's like, bye bye see you never. Because the next semester, there aren't going to be any more workshops, it's just going to be them focusing on their thesis. Right. But anyway, after the class, they have a mandatory, like, cookie get-together with the department for, like, one last Ugh. thing. Gross. 
As she is going to leave, she walks right into the lion, asking if they could have a chat in his office. He basically tells her that he's worried she's not going to graduate because he hasn't seen anything from her thesis since the winter of last year. Uh Uh-huh. And that if he doesn't see anything new from her for this thesis by the end of winter break, they're going to have to have, like, a serious conversation about her graduating. Mm Mm-hmm. And Samantha is just, like, stewing in her feelings of why is this so professional? Like, what has changed between us? Trying to understand where things went wrong. And then he asks her if she's going home for the holidays, and she's like, yeah, I have a plane to catch. And then dips. For the record, she does not actually have a plane to catch. She's just going back to her shitty little shithole apartment. Right. And then this is, like, a fever dream chapter of Samantha being sick and, like, having a revolving door of hallucinations. And I can't... I can't tell if she's, like, experiencing a cold or just detoxing from the drugs she was fed by the bunnies kind of thing. I was just about to, like, ask if you thought it was maybe, like, withdrawal. Yeah. I genuinely couldn't tell. She has, like, a fever. She's, like, sick. But, like, that's common when you're in withdrawal. So I really could not tell. Right. She has a hallucination of seeing Ava and feeling someone, like, consoling her. And then she opens her eyes and nobody's there. It's, like, very strange. So, once her fever breaks, she goes food shopping, and while there, she runs into the guy from the bus stop and sees himself giving himself a nice five-finger discount, just Hmm. stealing the good shit. She tries to follow him around the store before she runs into the teacher that ran her workshop that semester. Mm -hmm. The teacher asks her if she's, like, alone for the holidays. Like, it's a bad thing. When I read it, I was like, get bent, old lady. The holidays are stressful time for some people. And being alone isn't necessarily a bad thing. Also, like, nosy. That's not your yeah. business. Rude. Anyway, she invites Samantha over for dinner with her and her husband, saying there will be other students that were in town there, so she won't have to spend it alone. Samantha is just trying to get to this guy she met once. <laughs> so she's like, okay, I'll be there. By the time the teacher walks away, the guy's gone. So, she shows up to this beautiful mansion, catered event, with some other faculty present. The only other student there is Jonah. Hey. One of the boys catering this event comes up behind her and features a distinct hair lip. Rabbit lip. Right. And she had been told that the boys sometimes get, like, real jobs and shit. So she knows immediately, like, that he's one of them, Mm -hmm. and she doesn't remember if she was there when he was made. Oh, my gosh. So the whole thing just makes her start laughing uncontrollably uncontrollably, that she has to excuse herself and basically leave because she just embarrassed the shit out of herself. (laughs) She ends up going to the bus stop, not really sure where she's going, but she sits down on the bus And realizes the guy from the bus stop is sitting directly behind her. Oh my gosh, it's fate. Yeah, no. She admits to him that the girls she was with really weren't her friends. She doesn't really like them. He offers a drink from his flask, which he takes. And I'm like, girl, no, no, no. We do not do that. No, we don't. He also admits that he's, like, in love. Like, very much in love. And we're like, okay, cool. Next. In love with her? It's not distinguished. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. He, like, brushes, like, a hair behind her face and notices, like, this axe tattoo on his neck. Uh Uh-huh. Which is, like, okay. 
Yeah. Hello, Christian Slater. This is the Christian <laughs> Slater character. But, like, specifically the Heather's Christian Slater. Not, like, Christian Slater now as, like, a man in his 50s. Like, right. young Christian Slater. Right. Right. So she gets off the bus and follows him into the night. And he basically shows up in front of Ava's house. Mm-hmm. Like, standing in front of Ava's door. And then she's like, how did we end up... And he turns around and he's a ghost. He's gone. Was he real? We don't know. But she ends up at Ava's house. I guess we'll never know. I guess we'll never know. So, finally the door opens and Ava is like, what the fuck are you doing out here? Didn't I give you key, like, ages ago? <laughs> so Ava's back. Cool. She spends the next several days with Ava falling back into the routine that they had before... Samantha started hanging out with the bunnies, and Samantha is finally writing again. Like, this mental block is no more. And writing suddenly becomes easy for her. Sometimes she thinks about the man at the bus stop and wonders if he was her bunny or her hybrid, or if he was just a hallucination or a dream. Until one day, Samantha hears a noise coming from upstairs and asks Ava, what is that? And Ava's like, oh, that's just my lodger. He moved in after you disappeared. And suddenly in the doorway is the man from the bus who gives Ava a big fat kiss on the mouth. And he's like, hey, Samantha, what's going on? (laughs) So Samantha tells Ava that they've seen each other around. They don't actually, like, know each other. Mm -hmm. And Ava introduces him as Max. And suddenly Samantha's phone is going off for the first time in weeks. She doesn't know what to think in this moment, but when she looks at her phone, it's just a text saying, Hey, where are you, bunny? Unnerving. The three of them eat dinner together, and Samantha's really trying to figure out if Max is her hybrid, or if he's an actual fucking person, because there are just too many coincidences in the way he talks and such. Like, he looks human compared to the other hybrids that have... Much more bunny features. Mm-hmm. We also find out that Max is a performance artist, and he's putting on a piece at Warren Uni- University, which is the university that Samantha attends. Yeah. And he won't give any details about what he's setting up, just that he's really excited for Samantha to see it. No. No. <laughs> Simply no. <laughs> the entire time, the other bunnies are blowing up her phone, like, where are you? We haven't heard from you. What are you doing? Call us back. Are you dead? That kind of thing. Then, towards the end of the night, he admits his favorite dance is the tango. And she watches him and Ava dance around doing the tango. And she realizes that he and Ava have fucked. Like, subconsciously, she Uh knew that. But in that moment, she's, like, consciously aware that they've had sex. Right. And Ava confirms that she and Max have had sex. Much to the horror, horror of Samantha. And again, she says that she's shocked or horrified to learn that Max is, like, capable of it because the other hybrids haven't, like, don't, like, didn't have genitalia. Oh. So, like, she's, like, kind of like, what the fuck? He's much more advanced than the other ones. She considers telling Ava, but decides against it because she's scared she'll lose Ava forever. Instead, she goes snooping in Max's room that used to be her room. Most of the stuff in there, if not all of the stuff in there, is hers. So, like, her old notebooks and things are like that are still in there. But, like, new stuff, the boxes you get when you get, like, Chinese takeout, those white right. boxes, right. are in there. 
But, like, again, all of her old stuff is still there, too, including a notebook that she used to write in. And on the first page is a new edition. It's her email, all of the bunnies' emails, the workshop teachers, and another faculty member's email, including uh-huh. all of their passwords. She hears vibrating on the bed and realizes it's his cell phone. And there are all of these messages on it. One referring to him as Icarus, another one referring to him as Byron, another one calling him Tristan. Very strange. There's also a nude from one girl on there that doesn't show her face, but you kind of get the sense that it might be Eleanor. Ooh, tea. And one of them says that the scars look so pretty now. I'd love to show you. It's Caroline, by the way, aka Cupcake. It's all very vexing and I feel vexed. All right. (laughs) So he appears out of the thin blue fucking sky And is like, what are you doing? And she confronts him and is like, what is going on with these texts? And he's like, what are you talking about? And playing dumb. And then he's like, oh, I think I grabbed your cell phone on my way out. Here you go. And when she looks, she sees that there's an emergency workshop that she has to go to school for. What? That doesn't exist. (laughs) She goes to this workshop and... The teacher is like, I'm so glad you sent me that email. There's no shame in transparency and a cry for help. And that's when Samantha realizes, like, he has access to her emails and to everyone else's emails. So he was the one that sent the email. So the teacher tells her today that they'll just be listening and she can give critiques she doesn't have to share. And she's too scared and confused. So she's just like, okay, and sits down. Mm-hmm. Caroline comes in with one of those Chinese takeout boxes, like a white box, and that freaks the fuck out of Samantha because she's alone and she has this box that she saw in Max's room and she's not surrounded by the other bunnies, which they always show up in a group. Mm -hmm. So she's very confused, like, what is happening? Samantha mumbles something about being chilly and Caroline offers her her cardigan. As Caroline takes it off... Samantha sees carved into Caroline's torso and her chest, all over her arms are the words, eat me, just barely scarred over. Bro, what the fuck? She tells Samantha it's her way of incorporating the body into her work. Okay. Ma'am? Uh, what? That it's all part of the transformation process. I don't fucking know. So next to arrive is Kira, who's also holding a white box. Kira doesn't even acknowledge Caroline's presence, which is another red flag for Samantha, because she's like, why aren't they suffocating each other in death hugs? Like, I don't get it. Right. And Kira's voice is much deeper than what Samantha is used to, which was very breathy and light, and now it's like her natural voice. Right. But they're interrupted by the arrival of Victoria, who just comes in looking like a hot fucking mess. Like... Her makeup is all in a disarray, and her clothes are dirty, and she smells like sour garbage. And she, too, has a white box. And last to arrive, and late, shockingly, is Eleanor. She looks incredibly pale and frail, and is shocked when the teacher tells her she's late, because Eleanor said that her email said the class started at 5.11. And the teacher's like, why would a class start at 5.11? That's the dumbest thing I've ever fucking heard. Sit down. (laughs) So true. So she takes her seat, and Samantha notices a white box in her purse. So Caroline's the first to share her piece called Peeled. And it's about a man standing in her living room, holding a razor, and, to quote, 
thus begins her psychosexual obsession with slash possession by a demonic rake named Byron. Nobody claps. <laughs> Nobody really reacts other than to kind of like roll their eyes at her. But she does open up her white box and pull out a monstrous cupcake, the same sh- shade as her new lavender hair. Next okay, to go was Ki- <laughs> next to go is Kira, who pulls from her white uh, white box a doll with a velvet dress. Her story is called Wolf Meets Girl and is about a girl who meets uh, wolfish strangers who release her from her silent grip that her evil sisters have on her. Caroline says she hated it and that it was stealing from fairy tale canon and typical Kira. <laughs> Victoria says I thought it was lame and stupid and utterly uninteresting. <laughs> Damn, they're going in. <laughs> Next is Victoria who reads a vignette. Shocker. Out of her white box tumbles just a words on pieces of paper. Like Samantha says it's like magnetic poetry kind of. Mm, yeah. And her story is quote, an experimental pornographer slash garbage man named HUD and an existential ballerina. They have sex in a dumpster, which is only conveyed through the sounds of grunts. It's a very strange story. Not that there's an actual story written in the book, but you get my point. Like, yeah, yeah. Kira basically screams that the only way to understand Victoria's pieces is to live inside Victoria's minds. And she just wants Victoria to tell them what her pieces mean. And everything is willfully abstract to make her seem more interesting and pretentious, and it's not. (laughs) And then she starts to laugh. It's very strange. And then Kira immediately, like, shifts gears and is like, I should trust myself as a reader. Thank you for being so illuminating, Victoria. (laughs) Okay. And the teacher says they did a great job tapping the wound of the soul and making it bleed. Okay. All right, lady. I hate pretentious people. So the teacher says she's disappointed how all of the work that was presented today was about being saved by a boy, being loved by a boy. Why is it so centered around men? And she asks Samantha if she agrees. And Samantha goes, I think we need to hear from everybody, implying that Eleanor hasn't gone yet. <laughs> Eleanor is still clutching her box very close to her chest and she's like no my story isn't about a man but I brought the wrong one with me which is very unlike her but the teacher lets it slide so at this point we don't know what is in Eleanor's box and side note we never find out what was in Eleanor's box which <sighs> is I think a plot hole because I want to know what was in Eleanor's fucking box right so, Samantha gets home and confronts Max, and he's, like, a little too cavalier about it for his li- for her liking, trying to figure mm-hmm. out what's going on, what game he's playing, and she's not really getting any straight answers out of him. So, that night, while they're all drunk and dancing in the living room, as they usually do, Samantha looks out the window and sees the Duchess looking in from outside into the living room and sees her with Max, and the Duchess is so pissed and sends Samantha a text basically saying she's disgusting. <laughs> Thanks, bestie. So, Samantha finally tells Ava everything and is like this is kind of where you get an explanation and understanding of of everything that's happened so far because I had no idea what was happening. <laughs> right. So, 
Basically, she thinks Max is her hybrid that she created and that he's in love with Ava because Samantha loves Ava and he hates the bunnies and is torturing them because Samantha hates the bunnies and wants revenge on them. And all this is happening because of her and he's very dangerous and she feels so bad for putting Ava in this position. Right. And Ava's like, wow, you're a really good storyteller. Where did you come (laughs) up with that? (laughs) Oh my gosh. And so Samantha is just like, okay... I'm just gonna drop it because she knows Ava's not gonna believe her because she sounds so fucking manic. Yeah, valid. But now that it's, like, spring and things are starting to wind down for the year, the lion reaches out to her and tells her they need to have a chat about her thesis because she has not had contact with him in any way, shape, or form. When she goes to leave for her meeting, she asks Ava if she'll still be at the house when Samantha gets back, and Ava's like, where else would I be? So now we know Ava is not going to be there when Samantha gets back. So the meeting is in the room where they do their workshops. And it's basically like a black box room. So there's no windows. There's no clock. Like, it's just pitch black. And so she calls out for Alan. A.K.A. The Lion. A.K.A. The other email and password that Max had in his notebook. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Don't like that. So she's calling out for him to find him, and she thinks about the night from the last spring that they had together that apparently changed everything, and how nothing fucking happened. So we finally get the story, and it's that he picked her up while she was drunk, and he was a little drunk too, and they go back to his apartment, and while waiting at a stoplight, she sees the bunnies, and the bunnies see her in his car, and he sees the bunnies see them in his car. Mm-hmm. So they get back to his apartment. She's very drunk still. And they're talking. And when she thinks about it, she realizes she was the only one doing the talking. He was just watching and drinking. Mm-hmm. Before she finally gives up and just starts sobbing. And oh, unloading no. everything on her, him about her childhood. About how much she just hates the bunnies. How the bunnies hate her. Just everything. And this motherfucker did nothing. He just sat there and listened, didn't offer an ounce of comfort, didn't put a hand on her shoulder, nothing, right? So when she's done, he goes to bed and she leaves. Right. And they basically never had that kind of relation, like, really friendly relationship wise, like, ever again. Right. And that was also the same night that she had met Ava was after this, but we'll get into that later. So... Now she's back in the black box room and Alan calls out and is like, I'm right here. And so is your workshop teacher. And her teacher is like, yes, follow the sound of our mouth holes. What? And she's like, ah, okay, got a blast. Yeah, literally. We're running the fuck out of here. But before she can, a gloved hand comes around and clamps down on her face and another one grabs her by her neck. Oh, no. She wakes up gagged and strapped to a chair drugged up in front of the bunny versions of her teacher and the lion with Caroline and Eleanor kind of standing close behind them. Mm-hmm. Basically, the bunny versions of these teachers go in on her. He says that she was never worthy and shouldn't have been accepted and her writing is trash and it's not good at all. But they want to help her. And they're, like, playing with an axe in their hand, like, turning it over... And just, like, bringing it close to her face. 
And they said, we're going to give you a writing prompt of sorts. It's going to be waiting for you when she gets home, if they let her go home. And she thinks, oh my god, I'm fucking, oh my god, they're fucking killing me, I'm fucking dead. That's Miss Keisha! Miss Keisha! Oh my fucking god, she's fucking dead. fucking dead. And then the bunny version of the lion reaches out and chokes her until she passes out. So, at this point, this is where the book kind of really lost me. But we're gonna go with it. So, she escapes her bindings when she wakes up and runs back to Ava's house, calling out for her and Max. Upstairs, we find Max standing in a pool of blood in front of a dead swan. At this point, I wasn't sure if it was an actual dead swan or if she's talking about Ava. Can confirm now, after finishing the book. It is, in fact, a real dead swan. Got it. She has this memory of the first time she meets Ava. It was after she leaves the lion's apartment, and it's in front of the pond where she goes to write. You know, the pond from earlier. Right. And sitting on the bench late in the middle of the night was Ava. But when she looked out on the pond, there were no swans. So she's like, I made Ava up and conjured Ava from a swan Oh. while I'm having like a tough time in my life. This book is so fucking weird. Yeah. And, like, it it kind of alludes to it throughout the book and talks about Ava having two different colored eyes, which is, like, a thing. Heterochromia is a normal thing. Yeah. But, like, the context of this book, you're kind of like, oh, wait, is she? Is she not? Like, you go back and forth like she does with Max. She knows it was Eleanor. And Max pulls the axe out of the swan and, again, this is the part where I'm like, is it in a swan's back or is it in a human back? But is it is, in fact, coming out of a swan. <laughs> I can confirm Ava was a person made from a swan, so one of Samantha's hybrids. But Max takes the axe and is running down the street. And now we can also confirm that he is one of Samantha's hybrids as well. Samantha chases him down the street until they make it to Eleanor's house. Mm-hmm. And... She stops him from going in and takes the axe herself and goes into the house. In Eleanor's living room are all of the bunnies, and they all seem surprised because they were all expecting Max to walk through the door, and they Mm -hmm. all know him by different names. Tristan, Hud, Byron, whatever the other fucking name was, I don't remember. But they were all expecting him, and they're all wearing Ava's clothes. Like her silk black dress and Ava always wore like a veil like all of it because they knew Max loved Ava so they wanted to dress like her so that he would love them right it's very weird and really fucked up but they basically tell Samantha they knew from the jump that Ava was a swan that Samantha had made and Samantha never realized that she had created Ava herself Mm -hmm. like she didn't know that's what she did and they all say like how humiliating is it that samantha didn't realize her best friend was actually a bird that's so embarrassing for her that she couldn't tell the difference between reality and illusion (laughs) and that they were doing her a favor by telling her but they don't know what happened to ava for all they know samantha could have killed her i call bullshit but okay yeah i don't think so then they see max light up a cigarette through the window and they bum rush him running out of the house like one grab they each grab like a leg Eleanor jumps up on his back and is like holding his neck and then Max and Samantha make eye contact and Samantha's like I don't want to do it but Max is like do it and he leans his head forward 
And Samantha cuts his head off or, like, makes a cut. But the point is that Max transforms back into a stag that had been wandering around the woods pre-becoming Max. So Uh he's really, like, a deer, but a stag, you know? Right. So he shucks off the bunnies and prances back into the woods and Samantha drops the axe. So cut to graduation. (laughs) The ceremony and the ceremony, we find out that the bunnies are quite injured from being kicked in the face by a stag. I can imagine. Between the three of them, they have three broken legs, two broken arms, six shattered ribs, and two sprained ankles. And Eleanor is wearing a neck brace. Oh, man. They tell everyone it was a Bogarts accident. After the ceremony, everyone's huddled in the tent, and the lion comes up to Samantha. He tells her that he really liked her thesis, and he really thinks that her writing is going to take her places. And Samantha says, had this been last year, she would have been hanging on every word he says. But now she's like, okay, thanks, bye. Mm -hmm. Growth, baby, we love to see it. We love character growth. So, Samantha says that after killing Max... And having the girls lying on Eleanor's lawn, she drops the axe and walks away, expecting a call from, like, the police or the dean or their lawyers, but it just never comes. Right. Their workshop teacher calls Samantha over to have a toast and congratulate them on their success for the semester and being the first all-female cohort to graduate, like, fiction cohort Mm -hmm. to graduate the the graduate program. (laughs) Right. While standing there, Samantha asks them, what happened that caused all of this like all of their injuries in a book arts accident and they all panic like because they don't have like an actual story so eleanor drops her crutch in front of samantha to try and get samantha to like pick it up Mm -hmm. but samantha just looks down at it finishes her drink and walks away (laughs) power move she goes to the edge of the pond and watches the swans paddling around for a little bit and jonah interrupts her thoughts by waving at her and joining her on the bench saying he took pictures of her walking to the podium to get her diploma saying she's his friend and that's what friends do and while sitting there samantha thinks like maybe i can bring ava back but then like she has jonah now kind of it's like insinuatable now she has jonah like a real (laughs) fucking person right and then he asks her that night what her plans are for the rest of the night and she's like oh i'm gonna go home back to where she and Ava, like, quote-unquote, lived, and hang out on the roof. And Jonah's like, oh, that sounds like fun. And the book ends with Samantha inviting him to come with her. And that's how it ends. This book, I don't even know. It was... I didn't realize, like, it was gonna be what it was. You know what I mean? Like, I thought this was gonna be realism. Uh It wasn't... This was much more science fiction than I was expecting. A lot of science fiction. A A lot. A lot. Or is it like magical realism? Because they're turning people or bunnies into people. Yeah, I don't... It's... I don't even know. The the, the plot twist about Ava not ever being real, like... It was a good one, though. It threw me. Right? What? That was... That caught me, too. It was, like, it was good. It just picked up more at the end, like most books do. It was just, like, a lot of fluff, which I understand is sometimes needed, but not as much as it was in this book. It seemed like they, like, end-loaded the book. Just, like, how you, like, told it. It just seemed like the ending had so much going on that, like, I don't know if I read it, I might have been, like, 
this is a little confusing. Like, yeah, it was so very much to take confusing. In at once. Yeah, it it was very heavily unloaded because it was broken up into three parts. Mm-hmm. And the third part is when everything kind of like picks up. The first two parts are more like exposition that weren't necessarily fully needed. Right. But yeah, it was it was interesting. I definitely want to read her book, Thirteen Ways of Looking at a Fat Girl, because I feel like I might relate to that a little too much. But is that, is that fiction, or I think it's fiction. It was a hard to wrap like your head around it, but I will admit, like once I started to like read it, it was mm-hmm. hard to put down. Right. So you got me there. <laughs> you got me there. Okay. Well, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bookaholics Pod. New Year, New Me. You can find me on Twitter at French Dip. And on Instagram, at Francesca Hope, where can they find you? You can find me on Goodreads, Alicia Reads 13, or on Storygraph, just Alicia Reads. And we will see you for the next one. Bye!